Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you, and I did pastor for over 20 years, and, <laughs> and then the Lord called us to start a mission agency. And so I have the privilege of um, being the president of Think Missions, which your church uh, very graciously and generously supports in the form of uh, the, my associate, Reverend Dwayne Goodling, who works with me and works very hard. You support him on a monthly basis. And then periodically, you also support with some of the projects that we do. And what we focus on is reaching and planting new churches in unreached or underreached areas of the world. And so that's what we do. That's what we focus on. And Pastor Joseph asked me just to give you a little bit of an update this morning because he, um, I know he said that one of the focuses for the church is going to be uh, our human trafficking uh, ministry that, that we have moved into Nepal as well. Um, so we've, we've had this. Maybe uh, this is a hot topic in our country right now with a movie that's out. I don't know if you guys saw it. What's it called? Vo- Voice of Freedom? Sound of Freedom. My wife and I saw it. Pam and I saw it earlier this week. If you haven't seen this movie, I want to encourage you, you need to go see it. It is um, it's very eye-opening. And it will educate you. It will help you to understand what's going on. We, um, during, during the pandemic, well, first of all, we moved into to northern India some years ago to plant some churches. And we found out that we didn't have pastors to plant new churches with. Because the, the demographics there are 0.01% Christian. Less than 1% of the population in northern India Christian where we're working. That's why we went there. So we built a Bible school to start to raise up pastors to plant churches with because that's what we do. During the pandemic, they shut our Bible school down. The government wouldn't let them come and gather at our Bible school. But we got special permission from the government for a human trafficking rescue ministry. So we were able, while every, the other institutions were closed down, we were able to to start to rescue girls from human trafficking. And uh, we just graduated 35 girls from our India program. It's a six-month residential program. They stay at our Bible school. We, ha- we hire teachers to teach them vocations. We are uh, having them in the Word, get the Bibles for them. We just graduated 35 girls from that six-month program July 4th. But we also, um, when we couldn't have Bible school in India, we moved into Nepal, and we were able to have Bible school there. So we've had, uh, I, th- I believe, three different one-month intensive Bible school play, uh, sessions there in, in Nepal now. And um, so they wanted us to do the human trafficking rescue ministry there as well because it's, it's just horrible. The need is unbelievable what's going on. I listened to a couple testimonies from some of our girls this past week and they explained how these traffickers come into their villages and they recruit them and they lie to them and they tell them, 
come with me. I'll take you to the city. We have good jobs. We have home cleaning jobs. We have modeling jobs. We have all, these, all this work and opportunity. And you can help your poor family because they are destitute. And you can send money back to them, and you're going to be such a blessing to your family. And, of course, they get them entrapped into these, these trafficking rings and, and sex trafficking and, and, and different uh, human trafficking things. It's, it's horrible. So God has helped us to, to, to be a part of that ministry. And, and let me just give you a quick update of some of the things that have just gone on so far this year. Um, we'll throw a slide up here, Craig. Here we are in Cuba. Um, we work, we've been working in Cuba for over 20 years, uh, 22, 23 years now, because just to the south of us is a secular nation that outlawed God years ago. And, and they found out that, you know what, they need God. And we cannot plant churches there fast enough. So we've, we were in Cuba twice already this year. This is uh, uh, one of the conferences that I was at and, and leading. It was we carried in care packages that they're holding up that is filled with medicines. Medicines because they're, they're in so, so destitute right now. The pandemic and their economy is so bad that they have food shortages, medicine shortages, um, fuel shortages, electricity just goes off regularly all the time because they don't have enough fuel to run the generators. So they were so blessed. We were able to help with financial relief and just practical medicines that they could take home to their family. These are all church planners, and that's, that's what we do in, in Cuba is we help bless them because they go out and plant new churches. Next slide. Bibles. They cannot get a Bible like that, a pastoral study Bible, unless we carry one into them. And so we carry in every time we try to go, we try to carry in a Bible. And they just, I've seen them cry and kiss those Bibles and hug those Bibles. And I, I felt so bad because uh, we had to actually kind of lottery, do a lottery to, because we had more people that didn't have the, the Bible. Over the years, we've been carrying in hundreds of Bibles. Uh, but because they keep getting, raising up new pastors and new church planters, many of them did not have Bibles yet. And so we said, we're sorry, we, you know, we, we couldn't give them to everybody. We'll have to bring them back in next time. Next slide. We had a lot of incredible ministry. These people have nothing. They live off of $25 a month. Uh, we got a call from uh, one of our uh, guys that works with us in ministry there two weeks ago. And he was so distraught because he says, I'm so tired of getting up every day just trying to find food for my family. He has children at home. He said, but now I have no water. And he went down to the office there, and, and, and they said, you know what, we don't have fuel to run the pumps to bring the water to your community. That's just the kind of suffering. And, and yet there's so much light in their eyes. They have nothing, but they have everything. More people are coming to Christ because they're watching the believers in the midst of this horrific time. It's the worst I've seen uh, in all my years of working there, the, everything, the people suffering. And um, yet people are coming to Christ because the believers have such joy. And they have peace and they have light in their eyes when every, everything else is a mess. And so keep praying for us. I led one of the teams uh, Dwayne led one of the teams, and we had two. We, we were able to to, to train up um, 187 uh, 
church planners and spouses. We ministered over 365 people at services there, saw 13 salvations, carried in 900 pounds of medicines and, and even freeze-dried food. We start carrying in freeze-dried food because of the crisis. Uh, we were also able to help plant nine more churches while we were there. So praise the Lord for that. So our next slide, we're, uh, it was, we were earlier this year, we were in India, and we're starting to see some of the fruit of that investment of raising up pastors. This is a widow lady and her son who donated a piece of property to us. Next slide. And so we were able to get in there, took a team in earlier this year, and we built a church because uh, that's what we do. We build, we, we plant churches, we help, uh, you know, because we want, after we're out of there, we want to put a pastor in there and set him up so that not only that people are one to the Lord, but disciples are made. Because that's, that's our command is to go and make disciples. And so that's, we believe that the best way to truly be obedient to the Great Commission is to plant a church, follow the New Testament pattern, because that's where disciples are made. The pastor and the congregation, the leaders will raise up men and women of God. Next slide, please. That's, you can see it coming together there. Since this slide, that church has been completed and dedicated, and they are having services there. In fact, just this past week, I got some really good news uh, in northern India because over three years ago, we went and visited a tea garden village and a, a very remote village, an area where uh, very few Christians, and we were trying to get a piece of property there, get a piece of land to plant a church. And it's taken over three years, and I got word from India just a few days ago, we have the documents, we have a piece of property, and we're going to be able to go into an, another unreached area, plant and build a new church, and with some of the pastors that are being raised up. And so, and it, it's just, it's amazing, uh, the opportunities, the things that are blowing up for us over there. Next slide. Here's, here's the fruit of it. Uh, while we were there, we preached in seven churches. We built a church, preached in seven churches to over 350 people. We did a pastor's conference with 80 pastors. We did a women's conference with 100 women. And we had the privilege of water baptizing 18 new believers in a river in India. And that's what it's all about right there, guys. That's why we make these investments. That's why we travel halfway around the world. It's a crazy itinerary. And, uh, but it's worth it all when this happens right here. And you have to understand, though, when these new believers take water baptism, take that step of faith and obedience, it, for some of them, they're going to be ostracized from their families. Some of them, now as they publicly identify with the Christian church, uh, are going to be ostracized from their families. The, the leader, the pastor that we work with, when he became a Christian as a young man, a teenager, his father slapped him in the face, kicked him out of the house. And that, that was it, because they are involved in generational false religion. And so when they leave that false religion, oh my goodness, they, they can be persecuted in a lot of different ways. So again, we graduated 35 girls from our India school, and then we got to minister to them as well. Next slide. Now, this is our, our Bible school in Nepal. In Nepal, we don't have um, property and we don't have a facility, so 
we are using this, this uh, facility and a house to run our Bible school and then to run our, our human trafficking rescue program. Next slide. So here are some of the girls currently in our program in Nepal, and they will be graduating next month in August through their six-month program. Next slide. Uh, here's some more. This is we. Next slide. Some of them are doing uh, beautician school. So this is a teacher that we hire for a thousand dollars. We help rescue a girl. We house them and feed them and and mentor them and hire teachers uh, for six months. It's a six-month program. And when they leave, they will be professional beauticians. Uh, I don't know if you can read some of that, but she's going through the whole science of hair coloring and whatever's involved with <laughs> layering hair and all that stuff. Next slide. And so they are you know, working on all their, their wigs, and they will be professionals. They don't need to be succumbed by the, the traffickers because they can go out and get a job and they can change the trajectory of their, their lives because of poverty and their situations. Next slide. Oh my, whatever that's going on there. Next slide. Oh my, sometimes getting beautiful is painful, I guess. Next slide. <laughs> now here's some of the girls in what they call the tailoring program. So currently, at one point we were teaching computers as well, but we realized in the caste system that they're in um, that the computer opportunities weren't very good for them. So we have focused on what they call tailoring, sewing, and then the beautician school. And that's been very successful so far for us. Next slide. And so these girls um, are learning to be seamstress, and they can do it all. And um, in fact, I just got, was talking to our leader, and he asked if we could help sponsor as they graduate um, to be able to buy a sewing machine for them. That sewing machine right there costs us $200. Uh, it will last them a lifetime. They have the tools and the ability then to use that and to make a living. So I'm actually trying to raise $2,600 right now because we have 13 girls that are graduating in August that are going into the uh, tailoring, and then the, four, the other 14 girls are going into a beautician work. Next slide. So if you would be interested at all in helping to sponsor one of these sewing machines, you could talk to me after the service. Next slide. Here, these are actual dresses that they made, you know, in the school. In fact, while I was in India earlier this year, we got a call from a local school district, and our girls landed a contract sewing uniforms for the students, the young students. And the director of the school said, if this goes well, if we're happy with the quality of the uniforms for like the elementary kids, we can talk about a contract with the high school kids. And that would be huge because it'll help us to finance all, all that we're doing over there. If we can sell these, that's, that's you know, we're trying to, to do that. We have micro-businesses as well that we've worked on, but this would be, uh, you know, a great source of income. Next slide. Oh, look at that. They're models, too. Look at that beautiful dress. Next slide. Okay. So I wanted to give you a little bit of an update on some of the things that are going on. And then, uh, again, Pastor Joseph said his heart was 
because he knows that we have just broken into Nepal uh, in the last year or so now. And um, so we, here's, here's what has happened. We just purchased some property in Nepal. We are in the process of paying that off. We have all the legal documents for it. And so uh, the ministry over there is, is we're going to be taking a team next year building a, a church, a, a facility similar, a Bible school and a human trafficking rescue facility so that we have a permanent facility, a place where we can continue to meet the needs that are represented over there. And it's a tough, tough place. Um, people live in such poverty and there's so much destitution. And I got to tell you, I, you know, we work in quite a few different places around the world. Um, some of these areas uh, in, in, you know, northern India, Nepal, it, it is so void of hope. That false religion has created so much bondage and so many issues and problems. And, and, and it, it's just, it is a difficult place to minister. But I got to tell you, <laughs> You get these girls. Now, some of these girls, a handful of them, have been rescued right out of human trafficking, and our leaders have ties with government officials, and they work hand-in-hand to help um, to, to rescue them. Most of the girls have been interviewed and referred to our programs because of their family situations, because of their poverty, and so they've deemed them high-risk and vulnerable. And so... Many of their friends have been swept in to human trafficking and deceived and swept in. And unfortunately, even some families are so desperate um, that they just, they allow, they turn their heads and they allow it to happen. And it's a difficult, I mean, you can't imagine how difficult these situations are. Christ is the answer, my friends. He is the hope of the world, and that's why we're there, and that's why we appreciate your prayers and your support, because you guys are partners in this with us. We cannot do this. We cannot go to these unreached areas of the world without partners like you, without people who are lifting us up and keeping us covered in prayer and helping us financially to do so. So thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you, and it's been a lot of fun just watching what God has been doing, and, and um, we're excited about that. Hey, I want to just briefly kind of address a question that every believer at one time or another asks, and here it is. Can God use me? Can God use me? Now, if you're like me, there have been many times in my life when I've wondered, can he? I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not the most gifted person. I, I, I don't have the most confidence. I, I, I don't know. And sometimes I, I've asked that question. There's been times I've just cried out before the Lord. You sure you got the right person? You know, can you use me? How do you want to use me? And I... I, I I can imagine you've wrestled with that as well. Let's pray and and take a look into the word this morning. Father, thank you for our time together. We thank you for all that you're doing in these needy places of the world. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do as we're actually heading to Bolivia this week. 
uh, Dwayne and I are taking a team of 23 people into the Andes Mountains to work with an Indian tribe to build a very large church for them. And we're excited about that work, that new church there and, and all that you're doing. And we put that in your hands as well. So we give you praise for all these opportunities and, and all that you're doing. But God, I also just want to pray right now for every person in this room. God, that sometimes, you know, we, we hear some of these stories and, and we look at other people and see how God's working in their lives. And, and sometimes we get a little discouraged because we're not quite sure how you want to use us. So would you encourage us this morning as we look to your word? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Moses, let's look at um, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. You guys know the story. Remember the burning bush story. Remember God coming to Moses. And he says, Moses says to the Lord, he says, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. When you think about it, God chose Moses even though he had limited natural abilities. Even though he had limited natural abilities, Moses had been listening to God speak to him from this burning bush. God explained this job description to him very clearly. He understood that God wanted him to go back into Egypt, you know, to convince the Israelites that he's the man, that he's the one that God's going to use to deliver them from their bondage, from slavery. He also understood that he needed to convince the Pharaoh of that same thing. And here's Moses saying to God, wait a minute. You know, I'm having a hard enough time just getting sheep to listen to me out here in the wilderness, let alone Israelites and Pharaoh. It didn't work out too well for me 40 years ago. Remember what happened? Why he's out in the wilderness now tending sheep on the backside of a mountain in the first place? Because he tried to do something for God. He kind of tried to do it a little bit on his own strength. Didn't work out for him. Now he's out just kind of eking out an existence, just not wanting to, wondering, you know, God, you sure about this? You know, the Bible's filled with examples of men and women who were used mightily by God despite their limited natural abilities. In fact, one of the greatest hindrances to being used by God is relying on your, your own strength and your own talents and your ability. Now, don't get me wrong. God gives each of us gifts and abilities. But when we think that we're kind of God's gift to him, <laughs> instead of, you know, he's given us gifts and that we can do some things for him, that's when it doesn't work. In fact, nothing of spiritual significance is going to happen without the spirit. It doesn't happen in our own strength and in our flesh. And God will just say, hey, if you want to do it on your own, go ahead, knock yourself out. You're not going to get too far. Your, your, your plans are going to be frustrated. And so Jesus taught us in John 15, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that? And so he wants us to, <clears throat> to step aside and get out of his way so that he can use us in ways that we can't even think or imagine right now. And how many believe that? How many believe that God wants to use you today? 
You know what Philippians tells us? That he's going to bring to completion that good work that he has started in you. He is committed to you. He is committed to helping you to become all that he has created you to be and to accomplish all that he has destined for you to accomplish. But we have to learn how to step into that. We have to learn how to receive that and walk in that. And that's tough. It's really tough because we don't see ourselves that way like God sees us. And so, you know, God used Moses when he had all these limited natural abilities. He couldn't speak well. And then secondly, God used Moses when he didn't feel qualified. Verse 13 says, you know, Moses says, Lord, please send somebody else to do the job. He's like, you got the wrong guy. I, I, I'm not your man here. And now Moses, he's saying, you know what? I tried this once. I, I want to help, but it didn't work out so well. I feel like a failure. I'm just kind of doing my thing out here in the wilderness, taking care of these stinking sheep. And But we know that the scripture says that Moses had an incredible heart. I mean, he was a very meek man. And so it's not surprising that God would call him and, and, and try to help him see what God put inside of him. And, you know, that's a process. The things of this world, sometimes other people, sometimes our culture will beat us down. Sometimes people spend an entire life trying to please a parent and never feel like they're good enough or accepted or another significant figure in your life. Sometimes, unfortunately, and a lot of the girls that we work with in India and Nepal have experienced abuse, and they feel worthless, and they, they, they feel like they're ashamed, and, and how could anything positive ever come out of their life? And, and so we have all of these dynamics but how many know that God doesn't look at the outward stuff? He looks at the heart. And all he wants is us to say is to yield our hearts to him. And Moses had a good heart. Moses had a good heart. He uh, just had a hard time remembering that and finding that. It took the Holy Spirit. It took God himself speaking to him. And, you know, I... I run into folks that have very good hearts and they love Jesus with all their heart and they're doing their best to serve him and, and, and you know, have their family serve him. But then sometimes a lot of folks just don't really understand that God wants to use them in greater ways. And we don't, we don't you know, we, we, we think sometimes, well, that's just for pastors or for missionaries or you know, and, and sometimes a lot of churches have, have done that, where we've said, okay, unless you're a pastor or you're one of the religious leaders, you know, you can't really, you don't have much of a ministry. Where do you see that in the Bible? I, I don't see that anywhere. Everyone's a minister. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has God-given abilities. And, and the Bible says that every member should be a, a minister. We all have a contribution to make. But many times we don't step up and do that because like Moses, we don't feel qualified. We don't, we don't 
think that God can use us. And let me tell you, I think from personal experience and from just being in ministry for, man, close to 40 years, like 37, 38 years, and it's like, wow. <laughs> um, here's what I've, I've, I've learned in my own life and, and ministering to people. You know, we come to Christ and we're excited. We receive his grace, his free gift of salvation. And, and wow, things are fresh. Things are new. He's changed our lives. We could put our, pillow, our head on a pillow at night knowing that if we were to die in our sleep, we would be with Jesus. And it's great to be forgiven. And we start to grow in our faith and, and, and love to attend church and, and, and get discipled. And then you know what happens is we, we slip up and, and we fail and we mess up. And, and then we go, okay, God. And, and so we, we say, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to try harder next time. And so we do it again and, and we fail again. And so we resolve that we're going to show God that we love him more and, and we're going to try even harder. And we get into that cycle and then the enemy comes in and starts to condemn us and say, look at you. What kind of a Christian are you? You know, and how could God use you? How does he even really love you when you mess up like that? And, and so we start to believe those lies and we start to feel like, well, I guess this is about as good as it gets. And, and so we settle for that and just think, you know, well, hopefully I can just make it to heaven. Let me tell you something. That is a total lie from the enemy. Okay. We, cannot, we can't accomplish anything on our own strength. Remember what, how Paul exhorted the Galatians? If you look at Galatians chapter 3, Paul comes in and starts yelling at them. He's like, who bewitched you? He said, you started off, you received this gospel of grace, and you've been set free from the law and from sin, and you're on the right path. Now, who bewitched you? Why are you going back to the law? Why are you going back to trying to serve Jesus on your own strength? He says, and that's why you're failing. That's why you're in bondage. That's why you're not living in liberty and freedom and just walking in the spirit and accomplishing all that God has for you. And you know what? We do the same thing. I do the same thing. Sometimes the longer we're in the faith, the easier it is for us to get religious and just kind of fall into our our rules and our regulations, and we kind of appease ourselves thinking, well, we must be doing pretty good because I don't do these things and I do some of these good things. And none of that matters, guys. None of that matters. This whole thing's about Jesus. It's about his work, his sacrifice. And it's about us just simply receiving that by faith and experiencing his grace in our lives every day so that we can walk in his spirit. Because at the end of the day, nothing else is going to matter other than, than knowing him, helping bring more people to him, and just hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that only comes by walking in the spirit. Later in Galatians, Galatians 5, remember, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. And so no matter how hard I try, I can't produce spiritual fruit. Only the Spirit can, do, can produce spiritual fruit. And so I have to get out of the way. And that's tough because we like to be self-made. We like to, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to accomplish things. And, and we have to step aside, allow the Holy Spirit to produce that love and that joy and that peace and all of those 
uh, fruit that's listed there. Does this make sense? It's just some, I have to remind myself of this a lot because I fall into religion sometimes. You know, I get up, I have my devotions, I read, I and I can almost, this is a love relationship. This is a love affair. This is walking, living, breathing with Jesus, the creator of the universe, by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning. Be careful not to fall into rote religion. Okay, can I encourage you that way? So it doesn't matter how limited your natural abilities are. It doesn't matter if you feel qualified or not because God chose you. He called you. You're his child. You're his beloved. He has gifted you. You have gifts that you might not even be aware of, and so ask him how he can use you. And then finally this morning, God used Moses because he chose obedience and he lived the adventure. And so verse 18, Moses went back to his father-in-law Jethro, <laughs> Jethro, and, uh, and he said to him, let me go back to my own people in Egypt. So he loaded up the truck and he hit, oh no, that was, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but by faith, he chose obedience. And that's where the adventure is, guys. It we simply just have to say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't feel like I can do much. I'm not, maybe in my eyes, the best choice here. But if you say so, I just need to learn to say yes to you. No matter what, whatever it might be, I just need to say yes. Quit arguing. Make a decision to be obedient to God's call on your life. If you want to be used by God, if you want to make an impact with your life, if you want to leave a godly legacy, I'm at a stage in my life now, I'm thinking legacy. I'm thinking, how do I invest in grandchildren? How do I invest in ministry co-workers and young people that can, you know, I don't know how many, how, you know, Lord willing, I can still keep traveling the world, but Someday I'm not going to be able to. So i got to think legacy. How can we raise up and transfer this to others? It's not about us and our abilities and our giftedness. It's all about God and his supernatural ability to work through each of us. I, uh, over 30 years ago, I ran into a guy at the church I was on staff at. And he and I just immediately connected um, just a regular guy, hard-working guy. Uh, he had been a mason, you know, a bricklayer for some time. And when I met him, he was working for the gas company and uh, had a great job, good benefits, a lot of security in his job. But I met him at church because he was always volunteering at church. He was always trying to help and, and do something. He'd go down to Pittsburgh to light a life mission and uh, north side of Pittsburgh, and he was helping homeless people and he just couldn't help but serve people. And I love this guy because he didn't have to be an upfront guy and the center of attention, and, and he and I just connected. And so he loved to help other people excel in their ministries. And he did that so well that the pastor I worked for eventually brought him on the staff at our church because he did such a great job of just serving. And he didn't have advanced education. He didn't have a lot of gifts. 
He just had a heart that was huge and just said, willing to say, God will do whatever. Before you know it, he starts leading the missions at our church. And, um, wow, I got to go on a mission trip. This is over 30 years ago. And, wow, just lit my heart on fire. Helped, helped shape the trajectory of my life and ministry being exposed to this guy and his heart for missions and the loss of the world. And, and it just was so contagious. Eventually, he, he left the church there, and 25 years ago, he moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, and he started working with a mission agency there. Well, he and I have tracked and just been best friends for all that time. And um, he, uh, I can't tell you, this regular guy, <laughs> just no special gifts or talents, just the heart and the willingness to serve and help connect people with ministry opportunities. How many people he's mobilized around the world. How many churches he has helped to start to plant. How many things he's done in the United States and in different ethnic groups and, and Bible studies and church plants. Micro bit. I, the, list, the list goes on and on. The accomplishments are unbelievable. I, I mean, he, he, he wrote a letter uh, some weeks ago and we were just talking about some of the, some of the stuff that he's had the privilege of having his hands in. And um, so I lost him a few weeks ago, three weeks ago. He's with Jesus. And I got to tell you, I can't even imagine the rewards that this guy is receiving right now. And he has um, changed my life. Most of everything I know about missions today was from just being with this bricklaying gas company worker who just got so excited about Jesus that he ends up spending his life giving it away and touching the world. You don't think God can use us? <laughs> I'm just telling you, you have no clue. You have no idea. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? And, and uh, he very bravely lost a battle with pancreatic cancer. And, um, but what a legacy. I don't know about you. I got to spend some time with him just a week before he passed and rehearse some stories and just express my love. And, and um, what if he wasn't willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit? I don't know that I'd be doing all that I'm doing if he didn't say yes, because he had such an influence on me to help encourage me. We've had the privilege of planting just about 500 churches now, Think Missions, our agency, um, through partner churches like yours. Not, not us, not Think Missions, but stateside churches sponsoring these new church plants around the world. And Mark, my buddy, had... He taught me a lot of that stuff. He tracked with me. He, he was there. I mean, he was as close as a brother. And, and it didn't take much for him just to say, 
he, he you know he he was never a big platform guy he wasn't that guy out of the big crusades but he was the guy that organized the crusade and did all the stuff behind the scenes and just used his gifts and his willingness to do stuff that nobody would see but boy I'll tell you what they saw it in heaven father we just uh, we thank you for the privilege of knowing you and Lord when we think about your grace, and why you, would, why you would call folks like us, someone like me, and express your love and enable me by your Holy Spirit to come and know you in a personal way. And, and then, Lord, that you would even want to partner with us and use us for your purposes on this planet. That blows my mind. You're such a big God. You're such a great God. And, and yet you choose to, to use us, your children. And Lord, my, my, my fear is that sometimes I miss out. I, I don't always say yes like I should. God, I pray that each one of us here, when you speak to us as we seek you, that you would empower us just to be obedient, to take those steps of faith and live the adventure that you have ordained for us to live. And we don't know what that's going to look like. 30 years ago, I would have never known that my buddy Mark, what you had in store for his life. Who would have thought that that man would have visited most of the countries in the world and, and had such an impact on planting so many churches and just an incredible man of God. I thank you for him and his life and legacy. And I pray that many of us in this room, there'll be people that will say that of us when we receive our rewards. So encourage us today. And for those who are feeling like, oh, they don't have anything to offer or give or they're not consistent enough in living their life that, you know, they're not eligible to be used by you. We just refuse those lies of the enemy right now. And, and we just speak the life and the truth of God and his Holy Spirit. That is not who we are as, his, as your children. Every one of us, we have a plan and a purpose. And God, I pray that you'd reveal that in greater ways and help us to live out that adventure in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If, um, if you need prayer for any reason at all, We'll be available to pray with you. Thanks so much, guys, for being a part of the service today. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.